It's rare Raph can get me to read an entire article. The whole thing. Usually tops 50 words, 125 if I'm being honest. Not this week. It's not for the best reasons. We will get into that, of course. I think people are more than aware that fighting sometimes not always easier from outside the cage, which means it's time for Verbal Tap. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, before, how are you doing? Thank you for the baby gift. You You're sent welcome. some lovely yes. headphones knowing how loud I am, presumably, yes. for the baby. It's very sweet of you. Thank you. I want Thank the you. baby to understand that we do this, and he should not hear what we ever talk about. So... If the baby heard us talk, I don't think he would be a fan. I'm more worried about him seeing my weak guard play in class, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we will. Well, everybody, this is an interesting week in jiu-jitsu, and we hear you guys and gals. We hear a whole bunch of people talking, and there is a conversation that is emerging, and for me personally, it's very sad to see this issue come up again we dealt with it we felt or we thought a few years ago with one particular individual and we thought that might be a good linchpin that might be able to say hey we don't stand for that sort of a thing and surprise some people kind of do and as we've had these conversations we've seen so many voices emerge but there's been one consistent voice that i have seen in all of the reporting in all of jiu-jitsu and there's not really good reporting i think kevin and i have been pretty consistent in our values of saying most clickbait trash there's the athletic uh, mm -hmm. and there's jujitsu times and there yeah. i got through the whole list felt good but crushed it we <laughs> and we have jokes on the jujitsu times but not today because this is a subject that we feel merits a discussion and we are bringing on somebody to help us with that discussion so we are bringing on the managing editor of the jujitsu times Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, one, Avery Clements. Avery, how are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> Very well. Avery, <laughs> I think the first question we have to ask you right off the back, how many DMs have been in your new folder? Not the ones with the people you know, but that like, <laughs> message, hey, I've never met you before, but there's a lot of people messaging you now, I imagine. Yeah, I've probably... Um... I have 30 in there right now, um, but I've probably had well over um, probably between 100 and 200 in the past five days. So it's been a little hectic. <laughs> well, Avery, let's get straight to it. A few years ago, uh, Marcel Goncalves is an individual whose name crossed uh, many people's paths as a jiu-jitsu competitor. When did you first find out about even the allegations or, or the, the stories that people were starting to talk about just in, in murmurs or in rumors? Um, I really didn't hear anything uh, when the story of his arrest first came out. Um, that was in 2018, March 2018. Uh, I was still just, I wasn't the managing editor of the Jiu-Jitsu Times at that moment. Um, I was just a, a normal staff writer, I guess you could say. Um, and that was the first time I'd really heard about it. I'm not even the person who initially covered that story. We just heard it in um, a, or we read it in like a local news report. Um, and I still, like we, we've heard about those situations a few times. Like there was one that hit very close to home that was in the Pittsburgh area. But uh, yeah, for some reason, the one with Marcel always stuck out to me. Maybe it was because he was 
under, you know, the fight sports affiliation. And that's a big deal, you know, and Cyborg came out and spoke out about it. And uh, so, yeah, I guess it was when he first got arrested. I wasn't too familiar with his name before that. Okay. So for me, I had covered EBI and Mm -hmm. I covered Nogi Worlds. And in between those two weeks, I think, and I might be wrong with my facts, there was what he was accused of at the time took place. Mm. We later found out through reporters like yourself and other individuals that he did confess. So what ended up happening uh, just in terms of when uh, we were finding out what the reports were or when we did find out more about his case in particular? Oh, sorry. Was that a question? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just asking if you wouldn't mind kind of walking us through what you found out Mm -hmm. through those reports and that was later confirmed. Ah, okay. Yeah. So uh, it was pretty much uh, fairly straightforward in the police report and it was later confirmed by uh, the owner of what was at the time Fight Sports Naples. Uh, He's since changed the name and the affiliation. But basically... um, the police showed up to arrest Marcel. He's accused of having a sexual relationship with a a girl who was 16 at the time, which is illegal in the state of Florida. Um, And so they, they went to the gym to arrest him. He wasn't there. He was at a tournament. And then they came back later and he said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. And in the police report, it says that he did admit to, to that, uh, you know, you have to call it a relationship with a, with the 16 year old. Okay. Now, when I read this, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that it shocks you. It makes you angry. I think everybody goes through a very similar process of how could you do this? Why would mm-hmm. you do this? Um, I would like to bring up and, and slide back more to the journalistic side which is part of the reason why I have to bring it into context in this way, in my opinion, which is at first, I think it was almost rumors or people had talked about something. And because I also come from a journalistic background, I'm always like, well, we got to work with certain wordings until we find out it is confirmed. But that police report, in my opinion, I thought it was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Okay. Kev. At what point did you see any of this? Well, I would also, the reporting sometimes hits you with some details that you're just like, uh, that sucks to hear. One of them, I'll, this is a compliment, but it's to your reporting that it, this is, uh, Marcel's also his godson, his, his son's godfather, which is kind of crazy. Like, there's a lot of closeness here. Uh, and,. I've known about that portion. Obviously, he was arrested in 2018. But what I am still a little blurry about, and I'm I'm happy to be asking the two of you because you just know a lot about it. What triggers this back up? Because we know, is it the emerging details of the payment cover-ups? What kind of got this back sparked up in the last few weeks? Okay, so this actually goes back to the year 2019. Um, So we were first made aware of photos of Cyborg training with Marcel 
um, or he was with them in a group setting. I shouldn't say he was training with them. He was with them in a group setting. There's a photo of Marcel. It looks like he's rolling with somebody, putting them in a leg lock. Um, And this was, you know, after his arrest um, and after Cyborg had already made a statement. And so we reached out to Marcel through the, sorry, not Marcel. We reached out to Cyborg through the Jiu-Jitsu Times and said like, hey, we have some readers who are concerned about this. Would you like to make a statement about it? And he basically said, um, and I've included the full statement in the article, but he was basically like, hey, like, it's a shame that people are so nosy. I really think what I do in my personal life is nobody's business. And I'm paraphrasing there. Um, And we were just like, you know, okay. And it was the the culture, the environment at the time was such that I, I still believe if we had released that at that time, people wouldn't have cared. You know, they would have said, hey, like, he's right, like. It's, it's his business. It's his business who he hangs out with, like mind your own business. So we said, okay. And we left it that we left it at that. Um, then in February of this year, we were sent those photos that have now been pretty widely circulated of, um, Marcel in Wagner's Academy. Uh, and the photos weren't dated, but what we do know is that it was Wagner's new Academy, which had been opened after Marcel's arrest. Um, they were posted from, Wagner's daughter's account, which she first posted her first photo on that account um, after Marcel had been arrested. So not sure when the account was created, but like we assume that it was probably after he was arrested. So either way, we had a general time frame that no matter when these were taken, it was after Marcel had been arrested. So um, we we sat on those for a bit because we were still like, man, I don't know if anybody's really going to care about this, you know, like it, I know that sounds crazy now knowing how everything has blown up, but it was like, there was just a piece missing. Um, and we still wanted to sit on it and just wait for that bombshell, you know, for somebody to come out and be like, Hey, like this has happened. Somebody to confirm that, you know what I mean? And so it was at the end of July, um, Tex Johnson of all people, uh, started posting on his Instagram story that he had been training with Marcel at Wagner's Academy and had been poked in the eye by Marcel. And so he reached out to some people. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly who he reached out to, but I got a hold of him. He told me, you know, basically that he had been training there. Um, I asked him a few follow-up questions. He sent me pictures of his eye, which had been really damaged. I said, well, when were you there? Did this happen? He said, February which lines up with when we received those photos in the first place um, from Wagner's daughter's Instagram story. So um, from that point, it was Mo Yassim who, you know, runs ADCC. He also got a hold of those photos that I had. Um, and he was really, really keen to get those out there. Uh, it seemed like, I, I'm not sure exactly what the beef was. It seemed to be more like, you know, political payment stuff regarding ADCC. But um, he was basically like, I'm ready to release these photos, you know. And um, so when he was gearing up to release this stuff, um, we basically had an article ready. But we knew that if he were to to share that, we might have a better chance of getting a better response out of Cyborg and Wagner. And so he released the photos. We got that statement. Um, and, yeah, we released that article. So that it, it was, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure for both me and for Mo and for, you know, everybody else who was involved in following this, because it wasn't just me. There were a few people following all of this along from 2018, 2019. Um, I, I really think it was Texas testimony that he had been 
training with Marcel in February. Okay. I, I was not expecting that twist, by the way. The Tex Johnson. Yeah, I don't think anybody was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I'm looking at the pictures now. I'm sorry, Raph, you go ahead. But the pictures are quite clear. Well, let's put this in some context. And this is part of the reason why I think it is important to get uh, kind of a perspective of how this became an editorial decision. Because we're talking about, let's say, the New York Times as an expose. There is a giant editorial staff that goes through. There is research. There is a number of people. It's a smaller staff at the Jiu-Jitsu Times. <laughs> yes. So maybe... And you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but as a former journalist in that way myself, I know that it may seem simple to come forward with something like this. But if you can't corroborate the story and if you can't give proper context, there are serious legal ramifications and there are serious ethical ramifications that come along with this. Is that true? Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's something that we... Um, have to be very careful about because, um, you know, people can sue you for any reason. Yeah. Um, and we don't want that to happen, not only because, you know, that's that's a big pain in the butt um, and a lot of money involved, but also, you know, as a journalist, you want to get the truth out there. You know, it, you have to put aside your personal feelings um, and reach out to everybody and make sure that what you are putting out there is the truth or as humanly close to the truth with the, with as much of the details possible as you can get out there. And what's interesting in, in quick, my perspective, quick this, moment of levity, Raph, wouldn't it be cool if jujitsu could solve it on the mats, but sadly still it's <laughs> yeah, a core no. matter. Like, you know, some <laughs> listeners were like, wait, I thought we did this Kumite style. It's like, no, it is yes. still the legal course. I just, there's a moment of clarity. So believe me, there are a number of people who wish they could do that on this one. I am not one of them. <laughs> So I will express my frustration here. My frustration was I was aware of it after that EBI Nogi world situation. It felt weird. I believe I met his wife in that time. It was very aggravating to be able to put faces and names together to the point where when I was premiering, the very first episode of The Grappling Hour, which is the spinoff of this show, I had Wagner as a guest. And I asked him for a comment on the situation. Now, granted, I'm not even asking anything further than, can you tell me how you felt? And the first reaction from him in that interview was, I really don't want to talk about it. And then he goes and, on to talk about it for several minutes. But I will give you a quick prop as you go into this. When, you know, we will be perfectly honest. We were covering, we've been covering these people since 2012. Sometimes we were guilty of promoting them um, prior to our knowledge of these situations. Three years ago, you did have a chance to stare Vadner in the eye and say, what do you think of this? And you end up talking about it for almost 12, almost 10, 12 minutes. And his answer does not line up with his behavior. But well, go on. I'm sure you're getting there. I'm sorry. I'll just I just stepped some... on the thesis, but I was complimenting you No, no, no. It's okay. It. No, it's fine. Here's the reason why I am not blowing that out of proportion. What I thought I was doing at that time was the bare minimum. I thought I was asking 
a very simple question, which was make a statement on him. At first, when he said he didn't want to say anything, I said, I think the issue is if you don't say anything, it's worse. It was my hope that that would be kind of like, all right, well, obviously that's not going to be something that he's going to do. And when I looked back at that interview in context, I just thought, yeah, now it's going to seem like I didn't press him hard enough because it seems like, oh, he was doing this. And how would we know that sort of a thing? Well, lo and behold, reporters, researchers, much like yourself, people kept putting it into the conversation. But as I mentioned earlier, it is very difficult to go from accusations, even from some of our friends, Star-Lord. I know you're listening. <laughs> Star-Lord is a very, very entertaining and fun person to be around. But he doesn't care about things like legality or any of that bullshit. He just says what he says. And so it's not like we can say, hey, I don't believe you. It's a matter of, hey, man, if you can say it, we need proof. So when this proof does come in, can you take me back to last, let's say it was Wednesday or Thursday. Honestly, they all blend together. Oh, no. <laughs> what um, happens with what you're doing? Because now you are managing editor. So now you have decisions to make. And what do some of those conversations look like at that point? Um, I mean, we'd been talking with, cause it, you know, I'm, I'm managing editor, like Kit trusts my decisions. Um, but he is ultimately the owner of the website, you know? And so it's not just me that has to make that choice. It is also him. Um, and so he and I had a lot of conversations. And one thing that I really, really do appreciate about Kit is that he tends to stand with me on these issues. Um, he is eager, not I shouldn't say eager, but he's willing to say when, you know, he may not know enough about something to comment on it or you know if he, if he thinks like hey Avery like I think you know more about this than I do he's willing to let me run with it um and so this is a very delicate issue because a few years ago um there was another similar situation it wasn't the same but basically I was trying to get out um a victim story about you know she said she'd been assaulted sexually assaulted by this person and so I tried a different person um again but I tried to get the story out there and I messed up like one sentence out of this whole multiple article saga. And, you know, their lawyer contacted me and said, Hey, you have to take this down or we're going to sue you. And I contacted a lawyer and they were like, look, they have grounds to do that. Like you messed this up. Um, and that was devastating. Um, not only for, you know, like it, it's, I, I guess it's a bit embarrassing. It, it's sad, you know, like to have to take all that work down but also you feel like you've let, you know, the the victims, the alleged victims down as well. And so I really did not want that to happen here. So we uh, we were very careful, um, you know, in terms of finding information. We found the the court dockets. We it, it was just a matter of being extremely, extremely careful while also realizing like the the emotional gravity of like I have been sitting on this for a combined two years you know, because it was 2019 that we first saw those first photos. And it was like, I've been sitting on this for two years. Like, this has to be done right. Like, that's just what kept going through my head. It, was, it wasn't it was even like this excitement. Because it's a 
an awful situation. You know, it's not something you want to have to report on. But, you know, as a reporter, people are like, oh, like, don't you want to break the story? Like, are you mad Mo came out with it first? I was like, no, like, I just want the truth out there. You know, like, I want to deliver it as accurately as possible. Um, and that's just what kept going through my head. It's like, we have to get this right. We have to present all sides fairly. Um, and we just have to be as truthful as possible. And so that more than anything was the emotional, I don't want to call it like an adrenaline rush, but it was very emotional for me. Like, I think I maybe slept two hours that night after the article went up Sure. just because I was like, man, I really, really hope I did this right. Like, I hope people from any side of the, you know, the, I don't know if you want to call it a debate, but you know, whether you're from fight sports, whether you're you know, the, the alleged victim's family, whether you're just an average person looking in, I want everybody to be able to look in on that and say, I feel like the, tr I feel like that is the best version of the story that could come out. I feel like that is as much of the truth as could come out for this situation. Um, and from the sounds of it, uh, people have really, like people have really responded well to it. Um, and I'm personally, like, I'm very happy with how it came out awful, obviously that it had to come out, but, um, yeah, I'm, I, I feel like I did the best I could possibly do with it. And part of the story and part of what you're outlining is people are probably wondering who's the pushback coming from, where's it coming from? Well, it's very well funded because it's ultimately comes back to money and mm -hmm. some of these fighters make money. Some of them yeah. have made a lot of money and some of them train people that make money. And when money's involved, there's lawyers and there's process parts. So, that's where the fear comes from, and that's why this because you can't unsend it, right? No, we we definitely we follow that. That's particularly why I'm looking over at Verbal Tap Legal to make sure they put the comedy trademark underneath all of our documents, <laughs> just so yeah. no one notices. But yeah, and as you're as you're here now, and this is the difficult part, and I swear we're gonna get to like. Um, you know, your favorite smash pass and like <laughs> secret rash guard, whoever your apparel people are. We'll get into that. We have a lot of, we, as Raph put it, we're definitely going to have Avery back just to talk jujitsu. There's going to be bound to be some cool. I mean, hopefully there's an EBI women's again, because damn the last few. Anyway, uh, I just want to see some ankles bend in ways I've never seen before again. <laughs> But this one right now, you're in the middle of also some pushback. And we're going to ask you about how you emotionally handle the mix. But you get a lot of people trying to share their stories. You also get a lot of people trying to pressure you. What's that like? Where does that come from? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think until this came out, like I was aware that there were some people who didn't really like me. But somebody who's pretty well respected in the jiu-jitsu industry told me yesterday, like, oh, like, People have really told me, like, a, a lot of people have told me that you are, like, this crazy feminist and, like, be careful around her. And, like, the more I talk to you, the more I realize, like, you just want jujitsu to be safe for everyone. I'm, just, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's it. Um, I so there will self-proclaim I am the crazy feminist online, though, <laughs> and I'm with you. Sisters well, Unite, Raph. We're not going to tolerate this BS. Yeah. yeah but it's it's about be to get wicked. like. What's her weapon of choice? Equality. Yeah. <laughs> equality. Let's get her. What did she choke you with? Feminism. It's like, oh, how dare she? Um, but back to your question, I don't think there hasn't been too much pushback directly to me. 
Um, which I've been pleasantly surprised about. Like I've gotten a few messages that are like kind of weakly defending the choices of Cyborg and Wagner. And I'm like, I don't really care about that, you know, like, um, but there hasn't been any, like in the past, there have been some really, really aggressive and kind of scary messages that I've gotten. Um, and these ones have mostly been like, oh, but I like these people. Um, and I'm like, that's okay. You know, like everyone's free to have their own opinion. I'm free to disagree with them, obviously. But this has been overwhelmingly positive and the gratitude that's come forward. Like I'm overwhelmed by it. And I'm like, this isn't about me. Like focus your attention elsewhere. Like there are victims who need the support. And I know those people are giving those victims their support. But um, I think if anything, a lot of the emotional stuff that's come out of it is the sheer amount of or the sheer number of people who are messaging me saying, Hey, like I saw this, like I also have this story and like I've gotten well over at this point, it's probably over two dozen stories um, in my inbox where people are like, can you please bring this to the light? Please, please, please. And I'm just like, man, like I'm covering the fights for stuff. I'm covering um, a couple other things as well. And like, I I'm just one person. Like that's just what keeps going through my mind is like, I am one person and it's making me realize we really need more people in jujitsu, you know, in jujitsu reporting to cover these things. Cause we don't have that, you know, we don't, I mean, you could say that, you know, flow is our ESPN or our major outlet, but it took them five days to put anything out about this. Um, and I know, you know, they don't operate under the same constraints that, or, that we do, you know, like they have to, talk with their whole legal team they operate under flow sports you know so i'm not placing any specific blame on any of the writers or the people who run flow grappling because i don't know what that process was for them um but either way as it stands like the the top media company of our sport took five days to come out with this um and it's like man like if the biggest story because i i personally think this is the biggest story in our community that I've seen since I started jujitsu. Um, I'm like, if, if that's what's coming out of the biggest media company in our sport, then like, how are, how is all this other stuff going to be brought to the light? You know, and that's, it's, I want to say it's a little alarming, you know, like how easy it is for the stuff to get swept under the rug and how, you know, I've been talking about this stuff for years. Plenty of women have been talking about this stuff for years, plenty of men too, you know, like, I know, you know, Star-Lord is a bit, uh, you know, he's he's a bit more eccentric maybe than I am in how he expresses these things. But he's been very vocal over the years. There have been a lot of people who've been very vocal over the years. And it has never caught fire like this. And I keep saying, like, I've been talking to Mo and I'm like, I just can't get over how like it literally all it took was one person with power to say something. And it took off. Like, I, I've been feeling gaslit for years, thinking like, oh, my God, nobody cares about this. And people do. It just took one person to stand up, you know, one person who wasn't me, one person who wasn't, you know, like a B-level grappler, you know, somebody who had actual power. It took one of those people to say, this is wrong, and I want to do something about it. And now we're in the middle of this crazy movement. Like, it is so crazy, so overwhelming. Like, I can't believe <laughs> This is what's happening right now. I mean, I will say this. I understand the discussion on flow grappling. That is yeah. almost a separate discussion into itself. Yeah. And I would also say 
Um, there are some philosophical differences in what media is between myself and Mo. Mm-hmm. But, yep. I mean, this is a universally good thing that he came forward to tell us this. So I do appreciate that. I feel like this is one of the things where we all get on the same side. Yeah. Uh, but in the past, when I've seen him define what media is in BJJ, and then for him to say in the same sentence, why don't we have more people like that? It's like, well, look at our ecosystem. Yeah. So if you don't create that ecosystem or you don't treat people like professionals, what do you expect? So yeah. for me, there is a little bit of a, oh, okay. Now I think people see that people like you, people who actually spend the time doing the due diligence in this sort of a thing, it's rare. And I think that is part of the reason why you're probably overwhelmed. And <laughs> to be fair, I, like for you to carry that burden, it's a lot to ask. Granted, you are doing very nice things. I, I do want to get to those things. So we will have conversations on that in just a second. I do want to maybe get a, a perspective on, obviously Mo comes forward with this, a conversation ignites, but it seems the main part of the conversation has shifted toward, oh, I can't believe he did this, to, oh, what about Wagner? What about Cyborg? In a way, when they say now that there's not going to be or there is going to be a zero tolerance policy now, you're like, well, does that mean you had a tolerance policy before? It's very confusing. It seemed yeah. like most people, and I would say in the jiu-jitsu community, wanted them to just release statements to say what happened on their side. Not even to say, uh, I agree what he did was bad. I think we got that part. I didn't is he training with you if so for how long and i still don't believe that we got a full answer but the one that seemed to really stick out to me was when in wagner's statement he said i haven't seen him in several months mm -hmm. that one sentence to me said well several months sounds like three four mm -hmm. and i think that was the part that people need to make their own decisions. And obviously he is given the narrative that he is saying he felt like he was doing something for somebody who is a sinner. There is a religious context to this. Oh my God. Uh, Cyborg obviously coming forward and then telling his side. And I think the weirdest thing that stuck out on his was a $35,000 thing. I don't even know you can call it a <laughs> ransom or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Because that to me was confusing. And I, I'm not sure if, if people don't know what it is, if you wouldn't mind contextualizing the, what that is. Yeah. So um, basically, and Cyborg and Keith Rummel, who owned the fight sports gym, it was a fight sports gym at the time when Marcel was teaching there. So um, they both agreed that this is what happened. The disagreement comes from whether or not that money was actually owed to Marcel. So basically... Uh, Keith Rummel, who did own that fight sports, is now, um, oh my gosh, the name's escaping me right now. I'm so sorry. I don't want to give the wrong name. Um, but uh, it's a, it's under a different name now. But he um, he met with Cyborg after Marcel was arrested. I'm not sure exactly how long after it was. It was recent after Marcel was arrested. And um, Cyborg said, hey, like, I know this has been crazy. Like, do you 
a part of fight sports. And in Keith's mind, it was like, yeah, of course, like one person's actions don't define this organization that I've been a part of. You know, he had so much respect for Cyborg and everybody involved in fight sports. He's like, of course, I want to be a part of it. And Cyborg said, look, I need you to give $35,000 to Marcel's family if you want to continue to be a part of fight sports. Keith said, absolutely not. Not even about the money. Um, I wouldn't give that guy $2, you know, because of what he did. And so Cyborg said, okay, well, in that case, you know, you can't be a part of fight sports anymore. Um, So from Cyborg's perspective, he was basically like that money was for Marcel's family. It wasn't for Marcel. You know, Marcel still has a wife and a son that need to be taken care of. And Cyborg claims that Marcel was a part owner of that gym. Now, there's no documentation that says that, but and Cyborg acknowledges that. Um, And he said, uh, you know, I thought it was fair that Keith would basically buy Marcel out of the gym and then that money could go to support Marcel's family. Now, Keith says, and again, there's no documentation to prove this either way, but Keith says Marcel never owned any part of the gym. He never invested a dime. He was always an employee. So he was paid from day one. He never invested the time and money that would make him an owner. Um, so there's no question that Cyborg did ask Keith for that $35,000. The question is just, you know, was Marcel actually an owner? Cyborg says yes. Keith says no. So that's basically what that conversation is about. Got it. And just to make sure, yes, Keith Rummel, he was the former owner of Fight Sports Naples. Yes. So just put a little bit more context to that. And I think what's interesting about this is, is that in this particular case where I felt good about what people have done, uh, such as yourself and Freddie from BJJ World, which Mm -hmm. has been just trying to get people to make statements because at this point for these things, it is really coming down to first person testimonials. Mm -hmm. So it is people saying their side and I, I, I always caution people. I'm like, just, you know, as you do it, as you're reporting, make sure you can say what is in your interpretation. So we've gotten statements from Wagner. We've gotten statements from Keith. And we've gotten statements from Cyborg uh, that all seem to tell some tales. But in that wake, we've also gotten some testimonials from individuals who seemed um, like now was a good time or at the very least encouraged perhaps angry, uh, perhaps I, I can't really fully put into context what they may be feeling, but definitely some people who have shared their stories. Can you tell us some of the people that you've seen who have shared their testimonials uh, from grapplers who are also sharing their stories in addition to these? Yeah, well, there's one um, There's one girl. I've interviewed her. Her name's out there. She's happy for it to be out there. Um, so Mandy Schneider. Um it's from Texas. She was 16 when she claims that she uh, was sexually assaulted by um, another black belt who uh, got his black belt from Cyborg. Um, from what she says, Cyborg actually handled that situation well, like as she wanted it to be handled. Um, so she doesn't condemn them for that situation. But that was all in her statement that she gave to Mo. We have a bigger, like a huge 
uh, is probably the most emotionally difficult interview I've ever had. Um, it has kept me up at night. It has left me sobbing, um, like actually sobbing, uh, re-listening to it. Um, so it's going to be huge. It's going to be important. Um, but that's going to be coming out either this week or next week. We're still waiting on a few things for that. Um, so there's been her, there's been, um, another alleged victim. I haven't spoken to her personally. Um, I know who she is. Uh, she's being kept anonymous. She's spoken to Mo. Um, and this is somebody else we've known about for a couple of years. And she claims that she, uh, was assaulted at a fight sports camp. Um, and there's a lot that kind of goes into that. There's not a lot that I can, uh, prove or talk about right now, but that's another victim that has come forward, you know, alleged victim that's come forward. Um, and gosh, there, there's just been a lot. There's been, um, a number of women. Samantha Cook has talked about how, uh, she says she was really sexually harassed by, uh, Jackson Sousa. And he's released a statement saying that there's some safeguarding investigation that he will cooperate with. And a bunch of other women have shared their stories about that as well. So there's going to be a story about that coming out as well. Um, and that's not the first time that those allegations have been reported of his behavior. So there's that. There's a lot of smaller, um, I shouldn't say smaller cases, but, you know, under not big names. Um, but they are just horror stories. Some of them I've known about for a while. But there are it, basically <laughs> the only thing I can say is this happens all the time. Um, and I do not believe people say, oh, it happens in every sport. You know, there is not any part of me that believes this happens on the same level in volleyball, you know, in basketball, um, maybe even in other martial arts. Like this is an absolute epidemic. Um, and I think even with everything going on now, even with what people are seeing, I still think a lot of people do not understand the full extent of it. I'm sure I don't either. You know, I'm sure there are so many stories that I have not heard of and smaller instances, um, you know, that I've even experienced where it's not assault. It's not this dangerous form of harassment, you know, objectively dangerous form of harassment, but just like little comments here and there or, you know, environments within gyms that women don't even know are unhealthy. Um it's, it's just everywhere. Like that's just what keeps going through my mind. Is and there are so many stories. If you've been training a while and you've trained at a lot of different gyms, which I know at least Raph and I have, I, I assume you have as well. Avery, just yeah. Based off of the career, you know it when you see it and feel it. And we've been a part of gyms. I, I absolutely know I have where the culture was problematically, masculine there were problems with it and it deterred women at certain mm -hmm. affiliate gyms of ones i was associated with and it's something that i i was less cognizant of 12 years ago but we're all much more cognizant of now which leads me to my question because and i'll give props to my professor over at onyx it's in the air you all have started a conversation he started the class by making everyone aware the only way for something to be addressed is to talk about it, make someone aware, make him aware, make Coach Jesse, you know, gave some options. And I thought it was good that he was just starting the conversation with, do not handle this alone. Like, mm -hmm. tell somebody, get, and it was, you can't do something about it until you address it, even if it's a tough conversation. How do we support people? How do you support people that come forward? And how do we be allies? Like, what's your, your response? Because it's a difficult situation. 
Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, uh, regardless of what evidence they bring forward, I'm not saying you have to immediately kick somebody out of, out of the gym, but at least validate the emotions of the person who's going through this. Um, so if somebody comes to you and they are visibly shaken or visibly upset, visibly nervous, and they say, hey, this happened to me, you know, within your gym, um, the last thing, like I've had it before where people are like, oh, are you sure? Like, are you sure that's what you experienced? You know, like, because I mean, especially, you know, with jujitsu, it is very close contact. And so, you know, like you get the accidental butt grab or boob grab, you know, nut grab, whatever. Um, and most of the time, you can just shrug it off. Like, you know, it's accidental. Um, and it happens so much. I feel that when it is deliberate, you can tell. You know, and so there have been a couple times where, um, and it thankfully has only been a couple, but the first time that it happened to me and I could tell that it was deliberate, it was brushed off. Um, you know, I was told, oh, it's a, it's a close contact sport. Like you're being sensitive. Like you could ruin a person's life with accusations like these. I'm like, I know what I felt like I, this happens all the time. Like I know the difference between like, whoops, I was, you know, trying to get a seatbelt and accidentally, you know, brushed up against you and like someone's trying to cop a feel, you know, and then it recently happened, um, which is crazy to me. Like it happened in the room with my six foot tall bearded brown belt, you know, boyfriend with me and it happened there. And, uh, I approached the gym owner about it and I was scared. I would once again, like that he would take his own students side Cause I was just visiting at a gym and he was like, no, like, I believe you 100%, you know, tell me who the guy was, like, we're gonna sort it out. Um, and just feeling believed like that was really incredible. Um, and I didn't even need the guy to be booted from the gym or anything. I just needed it to be taken seriously. And obviously, that is, you know, I guess you could say a lower level offense. But, um, you know, the, the best thing I can say is, you know, give your student the benefit of the doubt. You know, you don't have to take immediate action if the evidence isn't there but do your due diligence to talk with all the parties involved um don't try to keep the you know the the victim quiet about it um because that happens a lot um and yeah just just do your part to make sure that they feel safe you know if it does come out that this person you know did do harm upon you know their victim their survivor then don't make the victim feel unwelcome at the gym. This happens all the time, too. This is another conversation that I hope kicks up soon is a lot of the times this happens and the person who perpetrated the abuse is allowed to keep training and the person who is victimized is kicked out because they were, quote unquote, causing drama. They're like, oh, like there's going to be drama in the gym. Like one of you has to go. Guess it's going to be, you know, the victim. Oh, it's to keep you safe. Like this happens all the time. Um which is crazy to me. Like, I know people hear about this the first time and they're like, oh, like, that's a weird one-off incident. Like, no, this is frequent. Um, so, yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess talk to your other, um, talk to other women in the community as well. Like, if you aren't sure how to handle these situations, like, listen, follow women in the community, not just the big name ones, but if you see somebody, you know, tagged in somebody's story and they're bringing up a good point, about how to handle this or if you know women in the community who talk about this and they have you know organizations or pages that recommend tips like this follow them you know the best thing that you can do a lot of the times is to sit back and learn for a bit and that way when this does come up it's not taking you <laughs> three years to put in a 
you know, uh, whatever it was, like a sexual harassment, no tolerance policy, you know, like you, it happens, it's going to happen. And I think the best thing you can do is to be prepared for that. I want to say one of the weirdest things that you can take out of, I guess, these circumstances is when someone comes across as a leader. And we've seen a number of people, both male and female, mm-hmm. who have uh, been very vocal about their thoughts on it. And I have such a way where people who have no relation to any of these events or matters felt compelled to say something. And I thought at first, man, it is crazy that people who like just feel they have to say something about it. But then I started realizing, I'm like, you know what? The one thing that I will not criticize on that perspective is, is that I think that we need more people who are hurting to hear those voices. Mm -hmm. And so it has been difficult to weed through everybody. (laughs) There's been so much outpouring, but when one or two voices peer through, um, I may not have ever known, and I apologize if I butcher her name, uh, but I do see it's uh, Meg He or yeah. Megan Yee. Her page, if I can encourage our supporters to go listen to her, see her Instagram, uh, she basically, like, she did the homework for everybody. Yeah. She spelled it out on how you can encourage people. She spelled it out on how you can empower people who may feel powerless. And I just thought it was such a very clear and present voice. I would have never, never, I don't think, had really come across these messages uh, without people like you and people like uh, Southpaw uh, Podcast. There are a number of people who were sharing who are in our circle that I saw as a result of that. And I said, yeah, that that, that strikes it right on the, the head. What I would say, and this is my small contribution Mm -hmm. just from my perspective is I think that saying like, Hey everybody, this is a good thing when bad times come through to say these voices or, or amplify these things. I think it's even more prevalent when it feels safe to do it. I'm not just talking about now. I'm talking about in two months. I'm talking about in three months, Mm -hmm. four months, like regularly say these things to the people in your classes to the people in your gyms and actively say, are we feeling safe? If you ever feel unsafe, please come see me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that will bring you a form of accountability. Now, what happens next, as we've seen as abuses of these cases, is fair for people to judge as they need to. Mm-hmm. But if you are a responsible gym owner, it may not seem like much, but much like even seeing Andrew Wiltsey chime in, it's like, yeah. You should. And you know what? Mm -hmm. People are going to hear him because they love him as a grappler and they're going to say, yeah, I agree with that guy. So um, one thing that I did want to ask you about as we start to circle up here is that I saw that you had put a push on your Instagram for people to reach out to you. Yeah. How? And, And more importantly, like at what point should people feel like they can? Because I think that's the hardest part. You you touched on it when you said that some people feel like, ah, I, I don't want to cause ripples. I don't, I don't want to be a problem. But I think it's important to let people know, you know, at what point, like, should they reach out to you? Yeah. Um, 
what I tell people, because again, I, I hate to even say like something has to be a priority over something else. Um, I really, really hate to say that. But as it stands in terms of things being covered, um, if you are ready to speak out, um, then that's probably a good jumping off point. Because there's a lot of people who come to me with these stories and they say, oh, but I don't think I want this to be out there just yet. And it's like, well, then, you know, I can't really help you. Or they'll say, oh, this happened to me. I don't have any evidence. It hasn't been reported, you know, and it, it kind of leaves me with just like empty hands in terms of what I can do with it. You know, maybe another journalist with more resources would be able to do more, but I am literally just me in my apartment with my boyfriend and my cat. You know what I mean? Like I don't have... Um, all these investigative resources to dive deep into every one of these stories. So if you're ready to come forward, if you have evidence that is really, really good, and that can be anything from arrest records, it could be, you know, text message conversations between you and somebody. Um, some people have come to me with voice recordings with their, you know, their abuser admitting what they did, which is crazy, you know, crazy courageous. Um, any type of evidence that you have, if you could, I know this sounds like, you know, oh, you're doing a lot of the work for me, but like, I need it. Like, again, I am one person. If you could put it in like a Google Drive and send it to my email, which is Avery, A-V-E-R-I dot Clements, C-L-E-M-E-N-T-S at gmail.com. Um, I will get to it when I can. Um, again, <laughs> I think, uh, I hope people realize that my plate is super, super full right now and I can't get to everything right away, maybe a few days, few weeks even until I can. Um, but I will do my absolute best to get something out there. Um, so I'm just asking people to be patient with me right now. But if they're ready to come forward and they have evidence, I will do what I can. Well, at least until we can teach that cat how to check their sources or the yes. or the bearded brown belt <laughs> whichever <laughs> Avery I understand how difficult this job is um you you mentioned something off air which I I do appreciate but it is true when you see other people out there and you know how difficult it is to cooperate things how tactical you have to be in terms of how you write a sentence when it matters mm -hmm. deeply to that person mm -hmm. uh, that these are difficult things to do and yet you are one of the few if not the one uh, who has you. really really been pushing that forward and I think part of the reason why we wanted to talk about the pushback in particular with you is I have seen some of the messages that people have sent you over the years I have seen the gross conversations that people have had and that's just to you mm -hmm. <laughs> you are one part of a larger group of women practitioners who practice in the sport and it's difficult when i hear people say oh is this going to become another me too i'd hate to see that happen in this sport yep and it to me says well that sentence tells us that's why it exists yeah. i understand to some degree um what you have faced and i appreciate you for doing it and i know that even though it seems like there is only a few voices who are doing it i can say with some degree of certainty that the work you're doing will inspire other people to do that similar work as hard as it is as unrewarding as it is i'm glad that you do it and 
I hope that you also take the time for yourself that you need because it is draining. And anybody who has to not just empathize, but listen to these stories, it becomes a part of your life too. So I'm sure I'm just saying thank you on behalf of those people, but a lot of other people who may not have heard these stories. So thank you so much for discussing with us, uh, discussing what you know, and kind of walking us through what we can do to be better. Having said that, Kevin did ask. I'm going to allow you to ask your guard passing question now, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, pressure pass wise, I got some problems with some some really flexible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got we've got Jesse and Xavier like both. Sh- sh- her leg just pops out of nowhere. I don't know how to get it in. So like you're trying to pass somebody who's a little more flexible. What's your pressure pass go to? Uh, I love a good double unders pass. Um, and I have a really ah. flexible guard. Yeah. Um, I, haven't, I haven't gone that route, actually. Really? Yeah, that is that's really my go to pass no matter what, because I'm small. I'm, you know, five foot two and 120 ish pounds. Um, and you can use so much of your weight to smash past anyone's guard and control their legs. So that is when people get really frustrated with, with my guard, I kind of shoot myself in the foot a little and I'm like, Here's the pass. If something's going to work on me, it's going to be this. Well, so I'm I... huge, but terrible. So I'm going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't break anybody's spine, please. <laughs> don't noted or my yep. own. I, my own included. Yep. Thank well, Avery, thank you so much for coming on. We look forward to bringing you back for happier times uh, for a more lighthearted. I mean, we're a comedy podcast. So I feel like we owe you a comedy episode of this in the future, (laughs) but you have an open invitation to come back at a time where we can tell all the silly jokes that we get to tell each other when we see each other in the DMs or we pass each other in person. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you guys so much. And thank you for, uh, for bringing this issue, you know, to, to your audience. I really, really appreciate that. I know many, many other people feel the same. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Please note, the new number is...